0: Well, I hope you've been encouraged so far this morning in our time together, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I just want to run through that wall over there after singing together and, and uh, rejoicing together and just, uh, man... So good to be able to to worship together this morning and and to be able to proclaim uh, so many wonderful truths about our God and to hear how God is working in other parts of our country and to know that he's continuing to work all around the world even this morning is incredible. Uh, Our God is in control and our God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. There's nothing that can stop our God. And so we rejoice in that this morning. I invite you to take your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Philippians chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. We're taking just a brief break from our series in 1 John. Uh, this being a Communion Sunday, we're observing the Lord's table together in just a bit this morning. Uh, we felt it would be appropriate uh, to take a break from our, our study in 1 John and to look at a passage that would remind us of the sacrifice of Christ, remind us of the giving of Christ's life, and all that we remember as we observe the Lord's table this morning. So go ahead and turn there, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. As you're doing that, uh, I wonder how many of you have ever heard or seen the show, Undercover Boss?, How many of you have ever seen that before? That is a show that's been out for years. It still might actually be out now. I don't know if it is or not, but I remember seeing a number of different episodes of that show, And, and the basic understanding of the show and the reason for the show is you have a boss, a CEO, a president, an owner of a company, someone very high up in the company that. Uh, basically takes themselves out of their position as the CEO, boss, president, whatever, Um, not that they cease to be that, but they take themselves from their position in their office to actually get to the ground level and actually work amongst uh, the, the basic level employees of their organization. Uh, I remember one particular episode where there was a a CEO or president of a large fast food chain who he showed up at a local fast food restaurant that they owned and he had a disguise on and he came in and his job that first day on the job was to simply put the condiments on the burgers uh, that they were making for people. And so he was in the back and he'd have to squirt the ketchup and put the onions on and the the lettuce and tomato and whatever they wanted on their burgers. And he failed miserably at it. And it was one of these things where you have this this high-level boss, this high-level CEO that was brought down to to the basic starting position of this company in the fast food industry where all he had to do was put the condiments on the, the buns and they showed him, and he was sloppy in doing it, and he didn't know what he was doing, and the other employees are kind of watching him like, this guy has no clue. You know, and they're watching, and, and he was just brand new at it. So you would expect that of anybody just starting off, That they're not good at it yet. Now, folks that had been doing this for years, they're looking at them like, let me show you how that's done. In a matter of seconds, they'd have this done. It was like, wow, like, they're good. And and this boss would be attempting and doing it. and, And while he was there, he was taking inventory and taking note of who was doing their job well and who was not doing their job well, and how was the company being run, and and how was the service, and what was the customer's experience in what he was doing. And and towards the end of every episode, there was always a feel-good story where maybe there was an employee that went above and beyond, and so the boss was going to reward them in some way for their efforts and for their customer service and the way that they dedicated them themselves to the company. And, and there would be others that would meet him. The reveal would happen. And he'd be like, hey, it was me. It was me the whole time that they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And so when they would come in, they would see who it was. and They would think, oh man, I'm in trouble because they didn't know who it was that was there with them. Well, it's kind of a neat show. It's kind of a neat perspective that you get when the one that's all the way on top comes down to the lowest rung of the ladder if you will to work amongst the people and to see how things are functioning well I think of that when I think of Philippians chapter 2 when we think about Jesus God creator God who had all glory and majesty uh, in heaven that he would take himself out from the glories of heaven to come to this earth as a servant. And just as that CEO or, or president of that company never ceased to be what he was just because he was coming to serve, Jesus never ceased to be God. He never ceased to have authority and power. He never ceased to be the eternal preexistent one, but yet made himself a servant. Ultimately, to die on the cross as a sacrifice, as our Savior, so that we might have life. This is a remarkable passage of Scripture. I'd like you to read along with me just to yourselves as I read aloud. For Philippians chapter 2, let's begin in verse, verse 1. Paul's writing and he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ... even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, There is a lot to look at in these verses this morning, and so we want to do Uh, our best to be able to present some truths from this passage this morning that I believe will be helpful for us as we seek to honor Christ. Paul is going to begin in verses 1 through 5 to petition to make a plea to the believer and I believe he's pleading with them in two ways. First he's pleading with them to have the same mind. Say that with me. Have the same mind. That's what Paul's desiring here. Uh, we won't read the entirety of it again, but Paul is telling them, listen, if there's anything that's going to make my joy complete, complete my joy, Paul says in verse 2, by being of the same mind, have the same love, be in full accord and of one mind. Paul wants the believer to have the same mind, to be unified together, to think the same way and to act the same way and to participate in the same way and to have the same mind and viewpoint and eyesight as we walk through this world desiring to honor Christ. He says, complete my joy. Make my joy complete. Be like-minded. Think the same way and act the same way and do the same things, believer. Have the same mind. Be unified. Be unified together. Uh, Paul's going to get pretty specific in, in some ways you can do this, he says. Have the same mind. Be in full accord of one mind. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You read that again. Look at what he says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. That's a a weighty task. That's a heavy thing to consider this morning, isn't it? Because listen, we have all of the things that we want to do and that we think we are entitled to do, and yet Paul says here, look not only to your own interests But the interests of others, look not only to your own good and your own desires, but esteem others better than yourself. I wonder as a believer in Christ, when was the last time that you and I made a decision, no matter what it is, that that decision was not based on what was best for us or me, but based on a decision that was best for someone else that I'm called to love. Folks, listen, we live in a time right now in our world and in our nation where the believer in Christ has opportunity to shine so brightly by esteeming others better than ourselves. By not looking at our own interests or desires or needs, but at the interests, desires, and needs of others first. And that's what Paul's calling them to. I mean, he almost gives it as a given that, yeah, you're going to look out for your own interests. Listen, I have a family, I have children, I have a wife, I, I have people that I love and care for, my own family, and I am going to look out for their interests and my interest in caring for them and caring in a way that's responsible and wise. And Paul says, listen, don't just do that, though. Don't only look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. In other words... The interests of others should be of interest to me as a follower of Christ. Because that's what I'm called to, to love them and care for them and esteem them. I wonder, are we doing that as believers today? Are we loving in that way? Are we serving in that way? Is that the mindset that we have? Do we have that same mind? And obviously the thread that should be uh, intertwined throughout all of that thinking and all of that doing and all of that loving should be in service to our great God and for his glory and for his honor. Now, Let me clarify, you and I as believers should never seek to do something that would be dishonoring to God no matter how much of interest it is to somebody else. So we don't compromise what God in his word has commanded us and called us to do simply because someone else has a different interest than that. But so long as we are able to serve and minister and love people in a way that honors Christ, we must be about that work. I believe Paul goes on to clarify as well, not only to have the same mind, but he gives some specifics to it and says, have the mind of Christ. He says, be of the same mind, of the same love. Be of full accord of one mind. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul is not calling the believer to be doing something that they haven't modeled for themselves. Christ has modeled for us what that mindset looks like. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want to slip past that because I think it's easy to read right past verse 5. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. Say that with me. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Listen. Listen. This is not some far out there thought or command that we just can't attain. Paul says this is yours, the mind of Christ, this ability to live this way and act this way and think this way. It is yours in Christ. See, through the Spirit of God that indwells us, the Spirit of God that is within you as a believer today, you and I have not only all that we need within us to see this through, but Paul says it's given to you in Christ. And it should be seen. It's it's a benefit for the believer in Christ. To have the mind of Christ. It's yours, Paul says. In Christ Jesus. It is yours. Now, this is very important because I think we need to hear this as believers. When we are not walking with Christ. Then it would follow that the mindset we're living with does not match Christ's. And he says, This is yours in Christ Jesus. Have you ever had a membership in something that had benefits with it? Uh, I had a membership in Trip in AAA. Uh, AAA, uh as far as if you were to get, you know, break down and you need to get a toe or something happened. Uh, you'd call TripAway. And TripAway, I had the plus membership in TripAway where they could tow it up to, I think it's 100 miles free of charge or whatever. And I had it for a couple years. Never once used that. Never once used it. Okay. Didn't need it. Thankfully, I didn't need it. So I'm not complaining that I didn't have to use it. Okay. But I never once needed it. But wouldn't you know, my TripAway membership ended at the end of May this year. And I thought, I'm not renewing that. I never used that. And so the first week of June, guess what? (laughs) I needed a tow. (laughs) And I'm standing there thinking in my mind, of course this would happen. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, when I had it, (laughs) the membership, and it was completely at my disposal, I didn't need it. I didn't use it. I didn't want it. I didn't want to have to use it. But as soon as I end it and that benefit's gone, guess what? I need it. Right? I need it. You're, you're familiar. Maybe, I am hope I'm not the only one that's ever happened to you something like that. Okay? Where the moment you needed it after you had it for like ever, all of a sudden it's gone. Right? Now, I was blessed that someone that was with me did have a AAA membership. And it's a little bit of a guilt factor. Right? But like, man, probably should keep that up. Right? When, I, when I'm doing it, I was able to get a toe because of their membership. But the point being, when I, I, I think about this is, listen, this is very important. There is never a time that you and I are not in need of the mind of Christ. There's never a time that that benefit is no longer needed. This side of eternity, we always need that. And as a believer in Christ today, listen to the instruction that Paul is giving. Complete my joy, believer. By being of the same mind, by being of the same love, by being unified in your mind. And oh, by the way, that mind that I'm speaking of is the mind of Christ, which is yours if you are in him. It's yours. So that also tells me we have no excuse to not live with the mind of Christ. We have no excuse because that membership doesn't need to get remo- renewed every year. And you don't got to pay anything for it. It's been paid <laughs> in full for eternity. It's yours. It's yours. Now, I believe Paul then is going to give us this understanding of what Christ did in verses 6 through 11. That's known theologically with the term of kenosis. And that word kenosis means to empty oneself, to empty oneself. And so there's this theological structure here in verses 6 through 11 that people refer to in the theological term of kenosis where it is Christ emptying himself out of service and sacrifice and selflessness in redeeming mankind through his death on the cross. But I believe as we look at this, Paul's going to bring to to light some marks of the individual that is evidencing the mind of Christ. And so we've called to, hey, have the mind of Christ. Be of the same mind. So what exactly will that look like? Well, I believe Paul's going to lay that out here as he uses Christ as the example. We want to get through these this morning just briefly as we look now. Look at verse 6. He begins by saying, after talking about this mindset is yours in Christ Jesus, now he's referring to Jesus, verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. First of all, I believe that the mind of Christ that Christ demonstrated and that you and I need to demonstrate as well will be a mindset of selflessness. It's a mindset of selflessness. Be selfless. Be selfless. Esteem others as better than yourself is the way that Paul said it earlier, right? Look not only to your own interests but the interests of others. Be selfless. Put others first. Put the needs and desires and the absolute necessities of others before even your own. That's what Christ did. The passage says in verse 6 that although he was in the position as God, who through he was in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto or to be gripped too tightly. I want you to process this for a moment, that Jesus Christ, the eternal God, that John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, referring to Christ Jesus, the Word of God that would be made flesh. It says all things were created by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. That is this Jesus that we're speaking about. The eternal God. The creator God. Jesus with all power and knowledge and authority. The everlasting to everlasting. Alpha and omega God. Is being referenced in Philippians 2 verse 6. As having the form of God. In heaven. In glory. Being worshipped as such. And not gripping tightly to that position in authority in heaven, but instead making himself of no reputation and coming to this earth. Is there any greater example of selflessness than the example of Christ? I'll answer it for you. No, there is not. There is not. Brownie points for whoever said no over here. Because I heard, I heard a no. But there's not. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul the Apostle said, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are Christ's representatives. We represent Jesus. He says that God is making his appeal through us to be reconciled to God. And listen to what it says in verse 21 about Jesus. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ took upon himself our sin so that we could be made righteous. He saw our need, our need, and took that upon himself so that we might be seen as righteous in God's sight. Here's what's crazy about all this, when you think about this, the only reason we have and can have the mind of Christ, which is ours in Christ, is because of the selfless act that Christ accomplished. Had he not been selfless in his act, we got nothing. We have nothing. Understand what Paul is saying here. He is setting Jesus Christ rightfully up as the eternal God. And yet, being willfully obedient to the will of the Father, selflessly coming to this earth. Having the mind of Christ would be showing a selflessness in our living. Secondly, the mind of Christ is one of service. It's the one of service. Verse 7, he goes on to say, he emptied himself. That's that word, the kenosis of Christ. Emptying himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. He took upon himself the form of a servant, a bond servant. Christ came in the likeness of sinful man yet without sin, and he became a servant. Jesus would say of himself, he says, listen, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus was was making the point to his disciples and those that desired to be the greatest in God's sight. Telling them if you want to be the greatest you must be the least. You must in humility seek to serve. Because even the son of man came not to be served but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus would set this example for us. That should mark the life of every believer in Christ is the mark of service. We should be a servant even as our Savior Jesus Christ was a servant. You know, one of the joys I always had on youth ministry was taking mission trips with our youth. And I loved missions trips, because when we went on missions trips, pretty much everybody that was on the missions trips had this attitude of, I want to serve. <laughs> they, they would go, and, and you know, you would have a, a kid, and I'm not knocking all kids, putting me all in this category, but most, including myself when you're a teenager, you don't really anticipate and look forward to cleaning up messes that aren't yours, okay? <laughs> you don't even look forward to cleaning up your own mess, let alone messes that aren't yours, But we could be on a missions trip and I'd be like, hey guys, I need someone to go clean that disgusting, dirty bathroom. And everybody would be like, I'm there, I'll do it. Because it's a missions trip, right? Everybody's serving and of this mindset on a missions trip because that's what you do on a missions trip. You serve. But can I bring a reality check for all of us this morning? Not just youth, but adults, elderly, young, whatever. It's missions trip time all the time for the believer in Jesus Christ. And so we are always on mission for Christ. And that means that every day of our lives when we wake up to when we go to bed at night, the mindset of the believer in Christ that is having the mind of Christ is I am here to serve my God today. Whatever that may look like. And I'm going to follow the example that Christ has set. It is a mark of service in the life of the believer of Jesus Christ. So important for us to understand that this morning. But I believe Paul will go on to speak of the absolute necessity of sacrifice in possessing the mind of Christ as well. If you continue on in the verse, verse 8 says, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the ultimate act of sacrifice that Christ would demonstrate for you and I in coming to serve in such a selfless manner, Christ would offer the ultimate sacrifice. This is what Jesus would say in John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Don't miss that when Jesus would sacrifice his life, He had complete authority to lay it down and to take it up again. He never ceased to be God. (laughs) He had that authority. He had that power. When Jesus would say, do you not think right now I could call down legions of angels to rescue me? You want to bet those angels were ready to rescue? And he could have called them down? That's why the apostles, John the Baptist would see Jesus and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, as described in Philippians chapter 2. This is Jesus, the selfless, sacrificial servant who came to seek and to save that which was lost.